What is that song? I don't know. Push it real good by someone. Ah, oh, fuck it. I don't know your music. You, uh, it's a decent song. It's an old boy, but it's a real good boy. I would recommend that song. Yeah. Oh, Ooh, I just sparky, closed man. out the window. All right, I'm back. <laughs> Are bad. you ready for the most fun times? I hope so. Who are we doing today? Cause, um, you don't even know yet. Yeah, I haven't even told no. you. Today we are doing Ken Kutaragi. It doesn't ring a bell. doesn't ring a bell. Should well, it? It probably should. Why? Well, I'll get into why right here, right now. Okay. This can be like the basis here and then we can... Uh, All right. So he's to... born August 2nd, 1950. Okay. He's growing up in Tokyo. Straight A student. He works after school at his family's printing business and oh. enjoyed tinkering. And he built stuff like amplifiers and go-karts. He earned an engineering degree, and he joined Sony. Okay, so what's... Is he, like, the guy who made the wall? (laughs) Craig Bandicoot? He said it was because, he told Businessweek, it was the best in terms of encouraging creativity and offering researchers freedom. So, Sony was very good for him. He worked on a lot of really cutting-edge stuff, including an early liquid crystal display screen and a disc storage camera, which was, like, not a thing at all. So he kind of just rocked that shit. Oh, yeah, liquid crystal displays are... That's basically how LED is. Yeah. I don't know if you got the lingo there, but... 1989, Sony gave the go-ahead to a project that Kudaragi had proposed. He wanted to do a joint venture with Nintendo to develop a next-generation game console... With superior sound and graphics. I don't know he did it with Nintendo. Nintendo pulled... Oh, joint venture. Sorry, I thought it was like... Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, they signed an agreement with Nintendo. And... No, Nintendo pulled out of the partnership in 1991. What, really? And Kuratagi convinced oh, okay. Sony to continue anyway. 1991. Reported... Is that what you said? Yep. He threatened to quit if the project was canceled. And ex- that was after the uh, NES, by the way. Yeah. NES was in 1987, I think. Because that's when Zelda and Mario Bros. came out. So, his game console, he had an idea for a game console. Yeah. He wanted to call it a PlayStation. Well, it sure did get called that, I think. And it (laughs) officially got introduced in 1994, and it was met with immediate success. Yeah. It was rapidly one of the best-selling game consoles on the market. Hmm. Over the next six years, the proportion of Sony's revenue that came from PlayStation sales steadily increased. As did Kiritagi's influence with the company. Yeah, uh, quick background, because I know uh, a lot about Sony for some reason. Uh, basically, <laughs> oh, right, they, because um, they basically invented the Walkman. Oh? The cassette Walkman. That's, you know, like... Mm-hmm. Um, you don't got to tell me. Yeah. Um, they they were huge um, music producers. So they, had, they were big on uh, tapes and whatnot. So that was basically what their revenue was from. Um... It was tapes, and then the Walkman came out in, like, 83 or 82 or whatever. Yeah, I think it was 82. Something like that. And uh, everybody bought a Walkman because it was so, like, you could listen to music on the go rather than just having to, like, sit there with a CD player. What a weird or, idea. Or, you music have on the go, huh? Yeah. I wish. Anyway. So, that's where the, the money came from before, basically, uh, PlayStation or anything like that. So, anyway... Over the next six years, Sony's revenue came from PlayStation sales went up, as did Kuretake's influence. In 1999, he was named president and CEO of Sony Computer Company Entertainment, the subsidiary responsible for the PlayStation. So he moved up real quick. In like eight years, he was president. I mean, he did propose it. PlayStation 2 comes out in 2000. Yeah. It's similarly successful. I came out in 2002. (laughs) (laughs) Two great things. Oh, no, it didn't come out in 2002. It was introduced in 2000. No, I was saying, I'm like, I came out Ah, in 2000 as well, fellow citizen. I don't know how to read. Anyway, back to this reading. Where was I even? Right. It sold 40 million units in the first 30 months of confirming Kiritagi's significance to Sony. Business Week called him Sony's Indispensable Samurai, which is a fucking kick-ass nickname. I wish I was kind of weird considering what he does, though. Yeah, it's not, it's not that cool, but it makes him sound real cool. He had a typical disregard for Japanese-style deference and told CNN that Sony Computer Entertainment was the driver for the rest of the company and the clear leading power for the network for the next generation. 
In October in 2000, Sony gave Kiritagi a seat on the parent company's board. So he's a big, big boy now. Yep. As the 21st century began, Sony's dominance of home electronics industries was waning, and hardware margins were shrinking thanks to pressure from low-cost producers in Korea and Taiwan. Um, that also it didn't help because of, um the walk the um, CD Walkman was really big, and that's when CDs came out. It was really big. People didn't really want Walkmans anymore. Yeah, it's and like then the iPod came out around 2000 as well. A bunch of things came out in 2000. 2000 was a great like, year. The first iPod Touch came out in 2000, and you could store, what, like the 8 gigabytes of music on it, whereas a, a Walkman can only have the CD. So yeah. people were basically just like, fuck Walkmans. More like iPod. And they don't break every time I turn it on? Awesome. Go iPod. <laughs> so, so that happened, too. So yeah, 21st century, they're kind of they're going down. 2003, Sony initiated Transformation 60. A plan to restore both the company... Well, sounds like... <laughs> it does sound pretty Execute good. Order 66. <laughs> Transformation 60. A plan to restore both the company's bottom line and its reputation as an innovator by its 60th anniversary in 2006. Okay. So Sony reorganized into seven business entities. Four network companies. They were Home, Broadband, IT, Mobile Solutions, and Microsolutions. And three business groups. Those were game, entertainment, and personal solutions. <laughs> and they announced plans to lay off 20,000 workers, or oh, 17% of worldwide staff. Huh. Which is super shitty. Yeah. While Sony Corporation President Kunataki Endo, I hope I'm saying that right, probably meant, spearheaded efforts to cut billions in expenses and improve operating margins. Ken Kuritargi... Nope. <laughs> Kuritargi? <laughs> this is so wrong. Ken Kuratari, Kuratagi? Yeah. Kudaragi. That's it. Kudaragi. Was placed in charge of developing the next generation of products. So in April 2003, he was named executive deputy in charge. <laughs> deputy? <laughs> deputy president in charge of game business group and the broadband network. Same guy as before? Yeah. Right. His plan was to use the PlayStation to introduce customers to a broadband environment where a Sony console could deliver games, music, online shopping, and interactive interactive services. So basically online. Yeah, like PS3. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. like a PlayStation store and stuff. Yeah. That's what he wanted. He called it the Walkman of the 21st century. Well, I will. Its release was delayed in 2004 holiday season until 2005. In a joint venture, Sony partnered with Toshiba Corporation and IBM to develop Cell, a high-powered chip, Kuritagi... Kuritagi? Yeah. I, I'm betting it's Kuritagi because that sounds more Japanese. Than Kuritagi described Kuritagi. the vision of Whatever. digital convergence that would put the cell chip in a centralized network appliance, integrating entertainment and hardware and software under the Sony brand. The world most often used the word most often used to describe Kuritagi was brash. Don't even know what that means. Brash? Brash? You never heard the word brash before? No. <laughs> Just to go back for the cell chip thing, because it's a bit like weird wording. I don't know if you got when the cell chip thing was getting at, but it's, um, but you know, computers had like chipboards and whatever. Yeah. They got, um, their memory chip or whatever. Basically, he, it was kind of like the same design as a laptop with, oh. the, with the cell chip. So what that means is he, basically a computer, computer chip, um, a memory. I, I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure this is what it's getting at. Uh, Sounds like CPU, like CPU, whatever they're fucking called. They're, they're called <laughs> CPU, but I don't know what they stands for. Computer pro- programming. I don't know. Centrally programmed. Something. I don't like know. That. Basically, that was the cell chip, which was more focused around like just processing. Um, I think the cell chip that they're talking about was both a graphics card and a um, processor. Yep. So that's basically what it was getting at. So they, he basically made like the PlayStation work yeah. through that. So, oh, and uh, brash means like, um, who can you describe as brash? Like, just like, I don't know how to put it <laughs> other than like, I'll Google it later. Very, very. Out there and like oh, like David Bowie? Sh- no, 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 no. That's like he's pretty out there. <laughs> that's not brash. That's uh, 
That's cocaine. Yeah. Yeah. Brash is like taking risks and uh, wanting, like, like um, Tony Stark is brash. Ah, okay. Makes sense. I'm gonna I'm gonna move on. And yeah. I'll, I'll Google it later because I'm still dumb. <laughs> Kelly Flock, the CEO of Sony Online Entertainment, called him the most animated and passionate person I've ever known. Sony was long considered unusually liberal and entrepreneurial by the conservative standards of corporate Japan. <laughs> that's such a weird sentence. It is a weird sentence. And there's it makes sense, done that's not even done There's a comma. It's more. Oh, yeah. Just you wait. And Ken Kiritagi, in particular, was far more outspoken and open to innovation than traditional Japanese executives. So he wasn't a total hard ass, is what I it sounds love- like. The- was considered too liberal from like the the Japanese yeah <laughs> like what <laughs> there's a lot of fun little things like that okay as of 2004 he was well positioned to become Sony's next leader Sony is one of the most recognizable names in electronics and they make pretty much anything you need for a home entertainment setup one of the biggest success stories is the PlayStation gaming console so that's mainly what we're talking about here yeah so uh, they tried to collaborate with Nintendo, but it back in the way way it kind of worked. So here's what happened: back in the early days, Sony didn't seem confident with the gaming industry like at all. Mm. So instead of jumping into it with their own console, they first attempted to work with Nintendo to create like an add-on for the SNES that would play CDs. Hmm. Nintendo wanted full licensing rights, which Sony wouldn't come to terms on. They were like, "Fuck you!" Not nope. <laughs> then they went on. Then Sony went on to create Sega, at the time yeah, Nintendo's yeah. biggest competitor. Sega was actually a, a, like you might laugh at Sega being a. They went fuck you Nintendo and they built their own console that became the biggest competitor to Nintendo, yeah, which is awesome. Nintendo only had no competitor. They, they, yeah, there was no one else out there. Well, like there's there's a few, but they're well, not even worth. See, mentioning. at the same time, um, there was arcade machines and people like like Pac Man and, and Namco and Atari. Oh, Namco, Namco and Atari built um these these huge like basically everywhere you could go to a, a arcade yeah and you'd pay like the coin and whatever and people would, would just do that and they make money off of that because that's how, that's what they did atari um atari's got did have a weird story did have a um uh a console i think um i think it was called the atari 2600 Oh, yeah. the Commodore 64? Yeah, like the Commodore 64, the Atari. It, it looked like this thing. I'm sure you've seen one of them before. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you just Google the Atari 26... Uh, yeah, 2600. It's like the, the little joystick thing with like the red button. Basically a uh, an arcade machine. But it was a home video console. And all that was a 1982, so it was really early. All right, all right. Here we go. Anyway. So what they did after they released the fucking sega thing yep is they work together to create the sega cd attachment to the genesis yeah it surprisingly didn't fail and sold over two million units Mm. a few years later is when sony went on their own develop went on their own and developed playstation yeah i actually have a sega genesis and a few games for it they had um uh early what was it called the sega it was like a portable thing kind of like the switch actually but the battery didn't last very long well, except for without the Switch things. More like the Wii U thing, you know? Yeah. It looked like that. It was really meaty. Um, <laughs> that's that's the best order. way you could put it. It was like as thick as you could grip your hand around. Like that. Like a sandwich. <laughs> like a hoagie? Yeah. Like a, a big old hoagie. <laughs> but you're playing The hoagie 64. That's my favorite console. Yeah, Sega didn't, didn't end up doing too good. As you can probably tell nowadays with like... Sonic Boom, and all the Sonic games. That that was like their mascot was Sonic and everything. Yeah. And then Sonic wasn't... Yeah, Sonic was, yeah. It was good, the first few games, but then after that, they didn't really have anything else. They had Mortal Kombat. People like Mortal Kombat. And like, um, they had original licensing rights for like NHL 2000, or NHL like 19... I've got an NHL 1996 or something like that. My dad's games. Any sport game. Any whore. Sony was seemingly destined to enter the gaming world, obviously. Like, no shit. Why did I even write that? (laughs) Their original PlayStation was the first console to reach 100 million units sold of anything. In terms of consoles, excluding handheld devices, 
PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2 and the Wii are the only consoles to reach this milestone. Huh. Funny enough, the PS2 is actually ahead of the PS1 in sales. Yeah. The number one best-selling console in history is the PS2, with 155 million units sold. I think the uh, the Switch is actually coming to beat that record. The I Switch, don't know. well, the Switch um, just recently did the first whatever. Um, it's been like six months of Switch uh, out. Switch City, whatever. Um, I read an article that said the Switch has beaten all other consoles, like the PlayStation Two, the Nintendo, all all other ones for sales in this amount of time. Huh. So I don't. I guess I'm not up to date. Maybe uh, I'll I'm, Google I'm, it. They're they're still gaining in sales too. So. Yeah. So Sony's legacy in gaming has been cemented today with the PS4, which is currently breaking all of the sales records of its predecessors. Yeah, except for now recently the, yeah. the Switch one. The PS4 still sold more than uh, Switches. More more outsold the Switch in 2017, but the Switch was only there for like half of the year. So, now we're going to get into a segment I like to call Fun Facts with Eric. Okay. So, that was all the information I could find on Ken Kuritagi and his involvement with Sony. What did he do after after PS3? Like, did he do PS4 stuff? Like, how old is he now? He wasn't involved with PS4. Really? No. I think he left. He left? He didn't leave. He was just kind of like, eh, I'm too old. <laughs> too old for video games. Right? Kind of, right? yeah. <laughs> He's not a very good ending. But I did find some really interesting stuff about the PlayStation and other things. How much interesting? Not that much interesting. Okay. We got time for interesting. Yeah. So, I thought this one was pretty cool. Is You know the glowing towers in the PS2 loading screen? Yeah. Well, you probably are just thinking it's some fancy graphic for the startup, but it's actually... The more games you play, the more towers there are, and the longer you play those games, the taller they are. Hmm. So that's what determines those weird little towers. It's a really cool feature. I didn't know that. And I don't know why more people don't know that. I would flaunt that if I made that. But I think <laughs> it's pretty cool. So another interesting fact is that PS3 lost more than $3 billion. The PS3 has since caught up to the Xbox 360 in terms of sales. However, the two sit very close with only hundreds of thousands separating them. However, back in the early days of PS3... Things weren't so good. The early days of PS3. When Which, did the PS3 come out? I want to feel old. It's two th- it was 1991. No, it was PS3. PS1. Oh, PS3? That was 2003. 2003 the PS3 came out? No. Isn't that? No. I have it written oh, down. That's probably a Japanese release, maybe. I, I swear it's 2006. I remember playing it when I, was, when I was really young. I do too, but I don't know. I'm pretty sure it was 2006. So yeah, when PS3s first came out, things weren't great. The PS3 was pretty expensive back then, and also very expensive to make. <laughs> they lost $2.16 billion in 2007, and $1.16 billion in 2008 because of this. With the success of the PS4, however, it's safe to say that they aren't feeling those losses anymore. They got all their money back. Okay. Another cool thing I found out is something called the Condor Cluster. That's a picture of it there. Huh. And basically what they did is the U.S. Air Force connected 1,760 PS3s together to form a giant supercomputer. Yeah. As it turns out, the consoles were actually quite powerful at the time, and mm-hmm. with the right OS installed, together they could make for some good computing. There's actually a thing. Um, my dad signed, signed us up for it. What it did was um, NASA had a supercomputer, and they teamed up with Sony. When your PS3 was off, when you weren't using it, they would use the uh, power from the PS3, and they'd, they'd send it towards the NASA supercomputer. So the PS3s, like, there was what? I don't know. How many units of the PS3 sold? Like, wh- whatever. Let's say 20 million. There's 20 million PS3s, like, off from, from you know, yeah. in the middle of the night. All, All those, the ones, yeah. if the people signed up for it, then their PS3 would just, like, be, be on, sort of, in, like, the stasis mode, and it would be sending its computing power to NASA... To generate, like, maps of the sky and, like, all sorts of other stuff in early well, 2000s. another cool thing about this Condor cluster is that just sticking all these PS3s together, it ended up being the 33rd largest supercomputer in 2010 when it was created. Hmm. It was used to analyze high-definition satellite imagery. So while you were teabagging each other in COD, they were actually doing something <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. 
All those tea bags wasted just helping the freaking U.S. government. Here's a fun one that I picked especially because of this meme. <laughs> Ken Kutaragi hates Crash Bandicoot. Huh. Absolutely hates it. He's the former chairman and group CEO of Sony Computer Entertainment. He hates Crash. Absolutely hates it. He said that Crash was too immature and what? that PlayStation was meant to be targeted what? to a more mature audience. What? <laughs> Ken didn't really know his games very well if he thought mature gamers didn't play the crap out of Crash Bandicoot because I guarantee that they did. Oh yeah, probably. No matter how mature you are. Another cool thing. <laughs> Horrible thing. segues. Yeah. More cool things. More cool things. The You know the 6-axis controller? Yeah. It's... We normally know the DualShock series. Yeah. Right on the brink. In E3 in 2006, when Sony was to unveil the PS3, they made a last-minute decision to implement the 6-axis controller. While it may look like the same thing as any other PS3 controller with the general DualShock design, mm-hmm. it actually had some weird motion sensor tech that yeah. never took off. That's why it's called 6-axis. Eventually, Sony decided to ship the PS3 with the DualShock 3 controller. Which simply improved on the DualShock 2. Mm-hmm. The 6-axis died out. Because uh, there was early yeah. games that you could play. And I remember this very vividly. I think it was 2007 that it came to, to uh, like America. Now that now you said 2006, they unveiled it. 2007, and I, I must have been 7 years old. Um, Ratchet and Clank, uh, mm. Future Tools of Destruction. There's one scene. And I remember the first, it was like one of the first games my dad got me for uh, the PS3. Um, it uses the six axis controller. Um, you're like floating down, and you have to do. You have to use the motion controls in the controller oh, to tilt around. That's uh, that and, rings like, a bell. You have to fly like in different directions by tilting it. Except for it was really oh, buggy. Yeah, it I didn't hate really the... work that well. Yeah, but I remember thinking it was the coolest thing to be like. I, just before I jump in there, I'm so used to playing like PS2 stuff or whatever, and it's like, oh yeah, use um. All you gotta do is tilt the controller around to move the person. And I was like, what? What is this magic black magic? <laughs> black magic? I got one more thing and then I'm done here. I it's, got some more stuff. It's to, like uh, a sentence, but it's a pretty good one. Oh, yeah. Kiritagi has labeled the Xbox 360 as just the Xbox 1.5. <laughs> and it's turned, And he stated that it was only going after PlayStation 2. So he was bitchy about the Xbox. The Xbox wasn't that great. It's not that great. No. I don't like Xbox. I never have. I just don't see it. So, uh, because that was a, a shorter one, I, I'm going to add on to your your, uh, your podcast here. Oh, yeah, please. So, surprise. Um, <laughs> they you gave me an idea. Uh, I'm going to talk about Shigeru Miyamoto. I don't know who that is. Shigeru Miyamoto. You probably you probably do, actually. Oh. Um, so, let's talk about him a little bit here. To uh, segue onto your PS3 stuff. Yeah. Uh, Miyamoto Shigeru... Uh, born November 16th, 1952. Uh, oh, it tells me how to pronounce it, too. That's good, because mine didn't. <laughs> and I fucked it up the whole time. I don't really know how to read f- f- I'm phonetic. Phonetically? Is that the word you're looking for? Mijamodo Shigeru. It's probably... That's really bad. I, people call him Miyamoto. That's, it's, like, really easy to say that one. Uh, anyway, he's a Japanese video game designer and producer, currently serving as the co-representative director of of Nintendo. Producer? Yes. What does he produce? Like, albums? Oh, you'll see. He's best known as the creator of some of the most critically acclaimed and best-selling video games and franchises of all time, such as Mario, The Legend of Zelda, Star Fox, F-Zero, Donkey Kong, and Pikmin. Ah, oh, yes. The best-selling Pikmin. <laughs> Me, Mario and Zelda, I mean, you, you can't really... Those two are great. Yeah. But Pikmin? So, um, I'm just reading through this. This I, I kind of pulled this... I know I know a little bit about Miyamoto already. I mean, I'm a huge Nintendo fan. Yeah, so. I, I thought mine would be longer, honestly. But no. That right. was only 20 minutes, guy. What? Yeah. God but damn! I'll, I'll throw on here. So, uh... Miyamoto originally joined Nintendo in 1977 when the company was beginning its foray into video games and starting to abandon the playing cards it had made since 1889. What? Yeah. They made playing cards? Yeah. I want some of those playing cards so bad. Uh, they're probably really expensive now. I know, but I still want them. I think they used to make uh, all sorts of playing cards, actually. I'm not sure. Huh. If you want to, like, 
Just Ross with his face that. on him. Like, <laughs> Miyamoto. <laughs> Miyamoto playing card. I feel like they made like baseball cards or something. Like, you could be wrong. <laughs> Again, all with him on it. <laughs> Probably. Collect. You, you should check that out though. Just, just like search up really Google. I'm reading through this. Yeah. Nintendo playing cards. Um, blah blah blah. His games have been prominently showcased and widely anticipated as flagship titles of every Nintendo video game console. Blah blah blah. Um, he managed Nintendo's entertainment analysis and development software diversion and. And whatnot. Anyway, uh, in Mio, uh, yeah. So the Nintendo's president Satoru Iwata. Jesus. Yeah, I don't know how to say that one. Word. He died. He died just like two years ago. I guess it's not two years ago now. It's July 2015. I remember seeing all over people were like rip this Nintendo is, people. This playing card thing is actually really interesting. I just went on YouTube and one pack of vintage Nintendo playing it's not cards. YouTube, eBay. <laughs> Very different. Ah, same thing. I buy stuff on both. Oh, like like playing cards. Vintage, cards. yeah, like a deck of cards. Wow. And the one deck of vintage Nintendo cards goes for four hundred and twenty-five dollars. Yeah, probably because they didn't make a lot. Of and them. they made cards like up into the eighties too. They mm. made a lot of cards. Wish I had some cards that I could sell for four hundred dollars. Jesus I wish, Christ, it's like, not even in good condition. I wish I could show people on the podcast these packaging, but it looks really like seven, Nintendo. like fifties kind of. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's really cool though. Hmm, the more you know. Nintendo made playing cards. Yeah, I didn't know that either, actually. Google Nintendo playing cards, and you will be amused or bored, depends on... I don't know. It's kind of amusing. Anyway, I'm going to read through his early life here. <clears throat> Miyamoto was born in the Japanese town of Sonobe, a rural town in northwest Kyoto. On November 16, 1952, his parents were the modest means... were of modest means, sorry, and his father taught the English language. From an early age, Miyamoto began to explore the natural areas around his home. On one of these expeditions, Miyamoto came upon a cave, and after days of hesitation, he went inside. Ooh. Miyamoto's expeditions into the Kyoto countryside inspired his later work, particularly The Legend of Zelda. Is this where a he falls down a well game. and becomes Batman? Uh, no, no, no. So basically, I, I, I've read a lot about this. The origins of Zelda, Miyamoto described it himself. He was like, anyway, as a kid, I would walk around outside um, the countryside, and there'd be all sorts of like weird stuff in the forest. Yeah. So yeah, it wasn't like that's a forest for like, you. Yeah, it was just weird stuff. Like, but eventually he came upon a cave and he was like, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I want to go in there. Like he just said, and eventually he said he went inside, and and he just like looked around for a little bit. And when he came out, he was like, man, this was so cool. Caves are great. And then years later, when he was thinking of, of contributions he could make to Nintendo, he remembered this experience and he's like, I want to be able to share that experience with people who play play these video games, and he made the first Legend of Zelda game, and it was a huge hit. Oh. And, uh, there's, um, on the history of Legend of Zelda stuff, the green, the green, um, outfit that he wears is actually a Japanese, um, it's like an old Japanese myth about someone who wears, like, a green cap and, like, uh, the green clothes like that. Hmm. I'm not entirely <coughs> familiar with it, but I'm pretty sure that's where it came from. That's kind of cool. Um... Anyway, um, Miyamoto graduated from Kanazawa Municipal, Municipal College of Industrial Arts with a degree in industrial design, rolls but no job lined up. He also had a love for manga and initially hoped to become a professional manga artist before considering a career in video games. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to diss manga, but not for me. <laughs> you, you enjoy it all you want. but He I'm... was influenced by manga's classical... Oh, I'm not even going to try. Anyway, a narrative <laughs> structure. I love I'm not even going to try. Kisho Tenketsu? Kisho Tenketsu? No. Okay. Well, this is coming from a guy yeah. who just said Kira Targer for four minutes. <laughs> the title that inspired him to enter the video game agency was Space Invaders. <laughs> space Invaders? Yeah, Space Invaders. Like the arcade game. I heard Space Invaders. Space Invaders. Come on in! Oh, God, I'm tired. So here we go. In 1977 to 1984, the arcade beginnings and Donkey Kong. Ooh. This is a quote from him. I feel that I have been very lucky to be a game designer since the dawn of the industry. I am not an engineer, but I have had the new opportunities to learn the principles of game design from scratch over a long period of time. And because I am so pioneering and trying to keep at the forefront, I have grown accustomed to first creating the very tools necessary for game creation. That's... 
Normally when people talk about video games, they're like, ah, oh, they're rotting out your brain. But no one ever thinks about, like, the artists behind it. And yeah. Those are, like, really pioneered the industry. Yeah. It's kind of a cool subject. Nintendo, a relatively small Japanese company, had traditionally sold playing cards. We already knew that. Um, yeah. Through a mutual friend, Miyamoto's father arranged an interview with Nintendo's president, Hiroshi Yamauchi, the guy who just recently died, I think. Hiroshi um, Yamauchi? Yeah. After showing uh, some of his toy creations, Miyamoto was hired in 1977 as an apprentice in the planning department. Miyamoto went on to become the company's first artist, which is surprising considering they should probably have an artist. Yeah, they should have had at least one artist. (laughs) He helped create the art for the company's first original coin-operated arcade video game, Sheriff. Oh, yes. I've never heard of it before, but let's, let's see what it looks like here. Sheriff. Um... I feel like it's one of those weird, like, uh, what's that one, Oregon Trail? Sheriff has unique controls for shooting and moving across the screen. Oh, it's very, like, um, Let me get very it. similar to the first Legend of Zelda. Oh. Oh, yeah. Basically. With, like, the shooting, if anyone's ever played the first Legend of Zelda, you have, like, the sword, and when you have full hearts, you can shoot it. Basically like that. <laughs> of course you can shoot it, duh. Yeah. It's a sword. The shooting joystick consists of a blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he, he does it, help design that or whatever. Um, um, I gotta find where I was because it went on to a different link there. The game achieved moderate success in Japan. Yeah, as they do. Oh, sorry. He first helped the company develop a game with the 1980 release of Radar Scope. So he designed the art for Sheriff and then he, he helped develop uh, mm. Radar Scope. Oh, okay. I don't know what radar scope is. I don't know how much art you're doing when it's just, like, pixels, but all right. Well, I guess it takes talent, but... uh, Yeah, you gotta, like, make designs and stuff. No one else was doing that, I guess, yeah. The game achieved moderate success in Japan, but by 1981, Nintendo's efforts to break into North America, video game, game market, had failed, leaving the company with a large number of unsold units and on the verge of financial collapse. Ah. (laughs) Such drama you've created. And an effort to keep the company aloft, uh, afloat, whatever, Nintendo (laughs) President Hiroshi Yamauchi... Decided to convert unsold radar scope into a new arcade game. He tasked Miyamoto with the conversion, about which Miyamoto has said self-depreciatingly that no one else was available to do the work. Oh, so he was just like the fall guy. Yeah, <laughs> that sucks. Nintendo's head engineer mm, supervised the project. Uh, we'll just go with. Mm. <laughs> Miyamoto imagined Magneto? many characters and plot concepts, but eventually settled on a love triangle between a gorilla, a carpenter, and a girl. Of course. Sound familiar? Nope. Never heard of it. Mm. Oh, you mean uh, all that great game, uh, Space Invaders? Yeah. Oh, I love that one. He meant to mirror the rivalry between comic characters Bluto and Popeye. You know? Uh, uh, Have you ever seen Popeye? I, I've seen Popeye, but I mean... Bluto's like a dog thing. Who's Bluto and who's Popeye? Popeye. Popeye in this scenario. Now, uh, Bluto's the big old guy. I know. And then Popeye's the one who goes like... Yeah, Bluto... Because, because uh, Mario's first enemy, or whatever, was supposed to be... Uh, Bluto? Donkey Kong. Yeah, Donkey Kong. So Donkey Kong was the big old dude. Oh, Which was like Bluto. okay. Popeye All was right. like Mario. Okay, got it. Right? Took me a minute. Yeah. It's late. Whatever. It's not even late. It's not even... Uh, and Popeye for the woman, olive oil. So they both like wanted olive oil or whatever. Olive Although oil. Nintendo could not gain the rights for Popeye adaption, Bluto evolved into an ape, a form Miyamoto claimed was nothing too evil or repulsive. E- apes are fucking disgusting. What? I'm gonna go... I you wanna, damn dirty ape. I wanna put this out on the radio waves. I hate monkeys. Oh, Any monkey. I hate I all of them. monkeys. Fuck monkeys. They're all creepy. Uh, this ape would be pet of the main character. A funny, kind, hang-loose kind of guy. Matthew McConaughey? Also named Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> So we got fucking like this what? like Ferris Bueller type dude who's just got this big old ape that's just hanging out. Yeah, basically. <laughs> oh god. Um Miyamoto also named Beauty and the Beast in the nineteen thirty three film King Kong. Oh, he named them as influences. So Beauty and the Beast and King Kong is like influences for his his idea. Because basically, um the president was like, uh, do something cool for us. We you're the guy you were saying like everyone else was like can you do something cool and everyone else was like meh and then they f- he went to him and so like, they kind of I guess went, yeah so <laughs> the company was failing and they were like shit and then they went to him and they're like make a game and he made this and he was like why monkey ape woman he was like shut up sell it yeah shut up because basically yeah like you said 
he was the only one available. Yeah. No one else was available to do the work. So he so he was basically like, well, I may as well do whatever. And he's like, what can I come up with? And he came up with Mario. How many great things have come around just because someone's like, ah, I guess you can do it. Yeah, just wait until I get into my next one. Um, my next talk about... You'll figure it out. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll explain at the end of the episode here. Um, oh, God, will we? <laughs> how... Yeah, we still got like 10 minutes. We'll keep it on time here. So we're good. Um, I'm good. Rather than simply... Uh, well, sorry. Donkey Kong marked the first time that formulation of a video game storyline preceded the actual programming. Now, that's cool. Because before, oh, so before they're like, let's make up a little puzzle game, right? And so what's like the story? Space Invader. Yeah, fuck it's like you. Space Invader and like Pac-Man. Oh, so this was the first game where they're like, all right, here's the story. Yeah, and we got like a donkey that like does a thing. Not a donkey. I would play it if it was an actual donkey. Yeah. An ape that steals the girl and then the blah, blah, blah. And they're like, okay, we can make this into a game. Um, it's time. So Miyamoto had high hopes for his new project, but lacked the technical skills to program it himself. Instead, he conceived the game's concepts, that consulted technicians, then consulted technicians on whether they were possible. He wanted to make the characters different sizes, move in different manners, and react in various ways. So basically, he was like, yeah. I'm creative, we'll do it. And then everybody else was like, eh. <laughs> Yeah. However, Yokoi in viewed Miyamoto's original design as too complex. Yokoi suggested using seesaws to catapult the hero across the screen. What? However, this proved too difficult to program. Miyamoto's yeah, that sounds next more difficult. thought of using sloped platforms and ladders for travel with barrels for obstacles. When he asked that the game have multiple stages, the four-man programming team complained that he was essentially asking them to make the game repeat. But the team eventually succeeded. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> so can we have like multiple stages of this game so it's not just boring? What the fuck? Uh, do you mean multiple stages. <laughs> Come on. What do you want to like expand the story? Get out of here. I don't give a shit. Get when the game was sent to Nintendo of America for testing, the sales manager disapproved of its vast differentiation from the maze and shooter games common at the time. When American staffers began naming the characters, they settled on Pauline for the woman. Oh, God. After Pauline James, wife of Nintendo's Redmond Washington. Oh, that's so gross. Don James. The playable character initially, Jump Man, was eventually named Mario Segal, the were- warehouse he- landlord. Yeah, I was th- Yeah, he was named after the landlord. Yeah. But who the f- When you close your eyes and imagine Pauline, I do not <laughs> imagine a beautiful young woman in a dress. Yeah. I imagine, like... Donkey Kong. <laughs> yeah, these character names were printed on the American cabinet art and used for promotional materials. The staff also pushed for an English name, and thus it received the title Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong was basically a translation. From what to what? I think, I don't know. What is Kong? I'm pretty sure, I, I don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure there's like, when when he went to America, he's like, what, they're like, what is the name of this guy? This guy? And he's like, whatever in Japanese... And they're like, oh, Donkey Kong. And he's like, no, that's the Japanese name. And they're like, no, it's okay. It's Donkey Kong now. You should have. <laughs> yeah, like what they... You yeah. should check it out, though. Uh, Donkey Kong was a success, leading Miyamoto to work on Donkey Kong. Hold Twitter. on a second. Miyamoto used Donkey to convey stubborn in English. Oh, there you go. The name Donkey Kong was intended to convey stubborn ape to <laughs> the American audience. <laughs> it's me, stubborn ape. Hello. <laughs> I wish we called him stubborn ape. <laughs> He reworked the character Jumpman into Mario and gave him a brother, Luigi. I love Luigi. He named the new game Mario Bros. Yokoi convinced Miyamoto to give Mario some superhuman abilities, namely the ability to fall from any height unharmed. Mario's appearance in Donkey Kong, overalls, a hat, and thick mustache, led Miyamoto to change aspects of the game to make Mario look like a plumber rather than a carpenter. So, on that, when he, um, he got the people to design him, there, you, because there's pixels and whatnot. Yeah, they were like, uh, we can only use these colors, and like, uh, basically, we have to make him red with like blue overalls, so we can see that he has arms. Because if we make him one solid color, it'll look weird. <laughs> he would had like a Kirby scenario, and it's just like a blob. If you put a, a mouth on it, it looks way weird. So they're like, solution mustache, and then that's what they did. And they're like, we need him to, to give him a hat because hair's too difficult, and so they just gave him a hat instead. Yeah. So there you go. I love that. That's how Mario came to be. They're like, yeah, it's too hard. Yeah. It was, because so they only had a whole character, and then they were like... All of Mario is only 16 pixels or something like that? Like, 16 pixels high? I imagine like he started out as, like, a like, like a attractive like person, and eight. then they were like, no, we can't make attractive people. Give him a thick, like, broom handle mustache <laughs> and a newsy hat. Yeah. Basically. So then he was like, well, it doesn't really look like a carpenter, so I guess he's a plumber. I think it's right yeah. now. <laughs> 
They saw the mustache and they were like, you cannot be a carpenter with a mustache. That's blasphemy. Yeah. So we be, uh, basically after that, it, it worked and it was a success. And then they were like, well, you can do games now. And he's like, okay. Uh, then then came out the uh, Super Mario Bros. And that was uh, that was the first game on the uh, the console, the uh, NES. Yeah. Which was uh, 1989. Mario Bros. 2, my favorite. So that was when uh, we're, we're teaming up with Sony here to make a, a CD attachment or whatever. Yes. The, for the NES. Genesis attachment. But... That uh, basically none of the games. There was like no good games for a CD. That's probably why it, it sounds like didn't work. Sony and Nintendo were like teenage girls. Yeah, yeah. Like that's what they do. Like I'll help you, but I get everything. Yeah, and they're like, no. Like the Legend of Zelda was completely uh, original, and um, in both games, Miyamoto decided to focus more on gameplay than on high scores, unlike many games at the time. Yeah, Super Mario Bros. largely took a linear approach with the player traversing the stage through running and jumping. Uh, but uh, Legend of Zelda was non-linear because um, yeah, it was the like whole flat. math thing. He was like, I want people to explore, and I want there to be like caves and stuff, like I experienced. And so basically, they came up with the Legend of Zelda game, and and people loved it. Like, I oh played God. it one time about two years ago, and I I didn't get behind it. I'm not a fan. I I played through it. Uh, I got like on the GameCube. I got like a four pack or whatever. It's really hard to find the, the game nowadays because there's like on a GameCube they made a disc with Legend of Zelda, Legend of Zelda Two, um, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, and Legend of Zelda Wind. Uh, no, Majora's Mask. They're like the four, yeah, originals basically. They got to do what Disney does and just put them in a vault, <laughs> lock them up. They're good. I like them. So sure. They don't. Uh, they haven't really remade them. Uh, like uh, Ocarina of Time and. And uh, Majora's Mask have been remade for the 3DS and whatnot. Oh, yeah. But, and they're still making both Nintendo, both yeah. Zelda and Mario games, which I doubt will stop anytime soon. And uh, um, to, to fast forward a lot, I guess, like, <laughs> what, 17 years? Um, when they were talking about what game to come up with the Switch, uh, The Legend of Zelda was obviously, like, a really big thing. But uh, Miyamoto wanted to bring back the idea from the very first game, which was, like, a huge explorative thing. Yeah. And, like, a That's... different art style. So that's kind of what he always wanted. Yeah. He just couldn't do it at the yeah. time, and now he's finally done it. Oh, and, and another thing, um, the history of Yoshi is because Miyamoto originally wanted, in the uh, Mario Bros. game, he wanted a dinosaur in the game. And um, they, never, they never could have a dinosaur because they were like, what the hell, it's too hard. Anyway, a couple, um, they compromised later on with Yoshi. And then, <laughs> that would if be- you're wondering why in Mario Odyssey... There's the giant dinosaur that you play right at the very beginning. It's because of that. He was like, I want a dinosaur in the game. And so you could become the dinosaur. And he I literally like, saw that and he was like, yes! That's like if 10-year-old Brendan was advising on games. Yeah. Make there be more dinos! But he's such a kid. He's such like a little kid, this guy. Yeah, he kind of And he is. did a good job. He did a really good job. Um, Mario Odyssey is a fun game. It is. So is uh, Breath of the Wild. Yeah. So, yeah. So, flash, flash forwarding... Um, he basically had a bunch of games, Super Mario Bros. 2 and whatnot. Then uh, he started doing Zelda 2. Um, he wanted to have an experience voice system like Magic Spells and, and uh, RPG more like. Ooh. Um, so that that incorporated into Zelda and it came in one of those. Then Ocarina of Time and uh, Mario 64. He basically paved the way for like 3D games. Yeah, Mario 64 was really the. It was like the first 3D game. I think game. Mario 64 was the first one. And then he he had the designs for a GameCube, the Wii, and the DS because he was like, I want to do more. I want the GameCube to be able people to like bring it over and like just be able to do stuff on it. Yeah. And like the Wii, people could like move around and do stuff. And then the DS, he was like, I want people to go wherever with it. And the GameCube, well, like the Game Boy and all that. So yeah, it's kind of weird because they kind of captured all that with the Switch. Yeah. Like, they wanted portability, and they wanted you to be able to move the sticks to have do actions in the game, like in Wii Sports Boxing. So yeah. they, they're kind of doing what they always wanted to do. It's like in 1950, they had an idea, and then they're like, give me 40 years. <laughs> and Here's another cool thing. Um, Here we are. Wow. So, uh, following the death of Satori Iwata in July 2015, Miyamoto was appointed as the acting representative director alongside Genyo Takada. He was relieved of this position in September 2015 when Tatsumi Kimisha assumed the role of the company's president, blah, blah, blah. Ah. Um, but in, uh, he, in Miyamoto served as the creative director in Super Mario Odyssey as opposed to serving as one of its producers, 
which is pretty like noble of the time, I guess. Like, no, not noble in the fact that it was like very chivalrous, you know. Indeed, yes, quite. But like, um, what do you? Most of the time, like, like Stan Lee, he's like a huge producer of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But basically, what a producer does is he's like, "Here's my money. You guys make sure you hit on these points." And they're like, "Okay, yeah, Stephen." But King instead, he's too. like, "I'll take less pay and I'll just go and go and uh, I'll design the game and whatnot." Hmm. So he's like. Um, He's pretty old now. Oh, yeah. I guarantee he's like 70 or 80. Uh, he's not 70 or 80, but he's like 60 now. No. He was born in 50, so 60. 67. Oh, okay. About that. Uh, and, and just to end it off here, um, we have his development philosophy. Oh. So, um, people have... This is his own quote. People have paid me a lot of uh, lip service, calling me a genius storyteller or a talented al- animator, and have gone as so far as to suggest that I am try my hand at movies, since uh, since my style of game design is, in their words, quite similar to making movies. Yeah. But I feel that I am not a movie maker, but rather than my strengths lies in pioneering spirit to make use of technology to create the best interactive commodities possible, and use that interactivity to give users a game that they can enjoy and play comfortably. Hmm. So, he he's very... This guy is, like, the such a good guy. Yeah. He's he's so fun. And, and Nintendo... This is why Nintendo is... Um, like, it's not one of those big companies nowadays that, you know, like... It's a conglomerate. Conglomerate, and yeah, yeah. And, like, they get a bunch of people to develop a game, and then the... People develop it and they're like loot boxes and like pay extra and all this stuff. <laughs> you have to pay eighty dollars towards to that a level. But I, I'm sure Miyamoto would, would easily be like, I'd rather have the game able for everybody to play rather than like just yeah. make money off of it. He's that kind of guy. Well, that's why people make free games. It's just about getting your art out there. Yeah, and he he's real, just such a nice guy. Like you. <laughs> You never hear him be like, yeah, well, uh, now that I can make all the money in the world, I'm just going to go and sit in my yacht. <laughs> like That's my plan. He's He just just makes games. Like He, he wasn't even a producer of, of Odyssey. He was like, I want to help design it. <laughs> That's that, fun. Yeah. I don't care what the plot is. I just like the art. So there you go. We got two guys here. Um, a twofer. We got two guys very linked. Um what was it? Uh, your guy? I can't Ken Kuratagi. Yeah, Kuratagi. Sony developer. And uh, Miyamoto. Miyamoto, sorry. Miyamoto. These Japanese names are so hard. Yeah. Uh, the Nintendo developer. He didn't develop the systems, but he developed the games. And I think both both did did good jobs. And uh, Do thank we you know both. if your guy hated Crash Bandicoot? He probably... Well, I don't know. He seems like the kind of guy to just be right now, probably like playing a video game. <laughs> he's probably playing Crash right now. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only thing I don't like about Ken is he's like, I hate Crash. He's too immature. Yeah, Me he's more of a business guy. This this guy's more like fun. Now we can milk Miyamoto. cows on the Switch. Thank God I got yeah. more mature. Thank you, Miyamoto, for letting us milk cows on the Switch. That's all. It rock the baby to sleep. That's my favorite game. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know who's the biz. What? <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> I want to know who's behind the design of Nintendo Labo. The, uh, oh, yeah, the cardboard thing, yeah. yeah. I want to know who's behind that, because it's... Yeah, it's really it cool. It seems like a Miyamoto kind of thing. It's fucking radical, whatever it is. Miyamoto, sorry. But anyway, we got uh, Sony and Nintendo. Yeah. Miyamoto and... Uh, Ken Kiritagi. Ken Kiritagi. <laughs> you're, uh, you're really struggling <laughs> with that name. Sorry. Hope you guys like this uh, double episode. Um, yeah, I didn't realize mine was going to be so quick. We we crammed them both in here. It's a little bit longer, but that's that's okay. It's only forty eight minutes. So. Oh, who cares? So uh, we'll probably appreciate them if they're longer. You guys um, check us out on the uh, www.thenarratives.ca, <laughs> our YouTube, the narratives, uh, our Twitter, or, or Instagram, and uh, we'll get something. Uh, yeah, so just let us know what you thought. If we had any inaccuracies, let us know. <laughs> Not if we did, when we did. Yeah, when we Let did. us know all of them, because I guarantee I was not 100% accurate. Yeah. And uh, if you guys have any ideas for future future podcasts that you want to hear. Or themes for future seasons. Yeah, because uh, each each season, um, I think we might have said that originally it was going to be 15, but we changed our mind, because 15 is a... It's kind of a weird number to end on. It doesn't end on 100, so we want to have like a 100th episode and whatnot. Yeah. So each season is going to be about 20. We have ours planned out. 
uh, but in future seasons, we will definitely incorporate your guys' feedback. Oh, yeah. I just yeah. said your guys' and I hate when people say that. Your What's up, you guys? Feedback. Because... <laughs> I cannot wait to become a Minecraft Let's oh, Play channel no. in about two years. <laughs> anyway, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed listening to us talk about two video game creators. And uh, we'll keep continuing on with our completely... Random-ass series. Yeah. <laughs> no theme series. So, that's um, just to throw it in. Our first series, we, we just wanted to go as out there as we could to get as many people as we could. Yeah, we just want to... Yeah. We're just out there. But uh, next next series after this, next season... We're going to narrow it down. Yeah, narrow it down to 20 people in this area. Are we going to tell them what the area is, or just let it be known on uh, the first day of the season? I don't know. Uh, maybe as we get closer to the end, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll drop hints. But uh, I got my hint for my next guy. Um, I, I talked about it a little bit about... You said someone who gets handed the job and, and does a, like takes like away with the company. Radical job, dude. Um, this guy, I mentioned his name a few times in this podcast too. Actually, did you? I wasn't paying yeah. attention. So I'm excited. Um, he's he's really really big in America. For he's still big. Yeah. For I don't know how to say this without like spoiling completely. Out of a thousand scale, he's like a nine hundred. Yeah. He's and, a good uh, 900. He's a huge producer nowadays. Oh, he's great. So His Twitter's great. His Twitter? <laughs> Did, have you no, 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 not Tony Hawk. No, no, no. That's not what I was talking about. Whoever you're talking about, their Twitter's great. Probably. I don't even think he has a Twitter. Whatever. Um, this guy, he's he's a real bottom-up guy. He started from the bottom, now he's here. And uh, <laughs> that's that's where I'm going to leave it. Wow. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder. Who? Anyway, check us out on our uh, our website, or YouTube, or Twitter, whatever. Leave us the comments. And uh, if you have a social media, look for the narrative. Oh, and, on it and, and, be there. and don't forget um, if you have any angry angry disputes. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. You, Eric will personally write. Uh, respond an, to all of them. Respond with in quill and ink. In quill and ink. So with a wax sealed letter to your house. And uh, can't wait to see that. So I please. can't wait to just deliver you a completely black sheet of paper because I don't know how to write with a quill. <laughs> just going to spill an inkwell on it and call it good. All right. We'll see you with our next episode. Farewell. Farewell.